Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another week of Don't Box Me In. I am your host, Lana Reed. My guest today is unique, inspiring, and an out-the-box type character. Foster Ken is the author of Freedom's Rush, Tales from the Biker and the Beast, which is an amazing story of life on the road on two wheels across the United States and into Canada. As Foster shares his stories and travel experiences, he shows us what freedom really means. There is a closing piece in the Biker's Anthem that embodies the story that Foster will share with us today. And it reads, we ride to get away. We ride to get to. We ride for no reason at all. It is our history, our future, our now. As long as freedoms exist, we will ride. As long as we ride, freedoms will exist. It is with pleasure that I welcome Foster Kin to the show today. Foster, welcome to Don't Box Me In. Well, thank you so much, and what a beautiful introduction. Oh, no, I am so glad you are here with me today. Uh, you are quite the interesting character, shall we say. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, so before we get to talking about hogs and the open road, I would like to spend a little time on this uh, classical music thing that you've gotten, you got going on. Sure. Are you, are you a, um, a classical musician, a producer, or how, how does all of that fit into your world? Well, I'm a composer. I write classical music. My favorite is ballet. Uh, my Thumbelina Ballet just had three performances last weekend, and it was awesome. Wow. Okay. So yeah. quite, quite, quite diverse dynamics here going on. Um, so you're the composer, but do you actually play some instruments as well? Well, I, I used to be a trumpet player. I retired from playing in 1984, right after the Olympics here in LA. Okay. Okay. So, um, reading your bio, you've kind of gotten to work with some people, um, like Quincy Jones and Barbara Streisand, Chicago and Whitney Houston. Yeah. How, how did all that come about? Well, you know, it's L.A. You live in L.A. You hustle. Yeah. You, you, you take pause. <laughs> you know how it goes. And, uh, <laughs> so I, I really don't know how I, any of those came about. I can't remember you know, the, the genesis okay. of the, uh, any of those gigs. But, uh, yeah, I do it. When it comes to notes on paper, especially orchestral stuff, uh, I'm your guy. I can okay. Do it. I love it. I've been doing it my whole life. Okay, okay. So we've been doing the, the music, the classical music and the ballet um, f for the majority of your life. So now we're going to do the the Harleys. And, and how long have you been riding motorcycles? I guess that's my first question, or my next question, I should say. Well, it's an odd thing. I'm, I'm late entrance <laughs> into it. It started in September 2008. Okay. So how long is that? Six years almost? Yeah, okay. Yeah, minus uh, the two, four months stretches where I was in a wheelchair from motorcycle accidents. But. Oh, oh, well, okay. So we're here talking about motorcycles today, so I guess the accidents didn't slow you down. You still kept at it, huh? I kept at it. I never really thought about not riding. Um, but you know what it is in, in motorcycles and in life. Bone heals, skin grows back. <laughs> so, oh, well, let's just do this again. You fall, you get back on, keep riding, right? Right. <laughs> um, so did you start off with Harleys, or were you riding other bikes in the beginning? No, I didn't. Uh, my friend, uh, Vic, my buddy, he uh, had a V-Star 650, a Yamaha. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And a rice rocket. Asked everyone to buy it. Yeah, he was, oh, it was a nice bike. I loved it. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, at first I said no, and he kept bugging me, telling me how great it is and everything. I finally went over there, uh, and he gave me some very, very short instructions. <laughs> it's like, that's the throttle, that's the front brake, that's the back brake. This is how you shift gears, take off. You know, that was it. <laughs> and I did, and I, I pulled out of his driveway, and it occurs to me I have absolutely no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> and, I was just uh, thinking, I was just picturing yeah, that in oh. my mind, like the untrained rider. Okay, here you go. <laughs> just get on and go. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I, uh, I caught something in my eye. I thought I, I got scared. I thought it was a car, and instead of pulling on the brake, I rolled on the throttle. Shot across the street, went over the curb, went over with those green boxes the cable companies put up, sideswiped the hedge, hit a brick-lined flower bed, went flying off the bike, and my head hit the other side, and I passed out for about a half a minute. So that was that was my, you know, introduction. Oh, my. And you're like, oh, it was nothing. You know, I just, you know, yeah, got up. Yeah, and, right. You know, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what it was? I, Vic... The bike had 60,000 miles on it, and Vic had kept that bike in absolutely pristine condition. It was in showroom condition. And when I finally woke up and I looked at it, and there was a dent on the bottom side of the tank, and I thought, man, I cannot do this to my buddy. Uh, So I felt obligated to buy it and finally learned how to ride. (laughs) (laughs) So how long long were you on that bike? How long were you with that bike? I, I rode that bike for about a year. And then I, I just wanted a bigger bike. Uh, then I thought I'd, when I looked on Craigslist, it seems like after about, oh, about three or four years, uh, motorcycles and Harleys do not lose their, their value much. So I mm-hmm. thought, well, you know, I'll try a Harley. I, you know, I didn't know if I'd like it. I'd never ridden one. And if I didn't like it, I could sell it in three or four or five months and, you know, not lose much money. So, uh, uh, I bought the Harley and, uh, I was riding home on the freeway, finally got to some bad road construction, horrible traffic. I was up on the 605, and okay. on that turn from the 605 to the 210. Oh, okay, was, all right. Yeah, the traffic just cleared out, and all of a sudden I went, wow, man, I love this, man. It hit uh, me down deep, and, you know, the rumble and the weight and the the, the sound and everything, so... Okay, so for the yeah. for the lay the layman out there who don't really have knowledge of bikes, what would you say is the biggest adjustment going from a rice rocket to a hog or Harley? <laughs> well, uh, part of it was the weight. Uh, you know, it was a cruiser. The Yamaha was a cruiser, but it uh, didn't weigh as much. Had a smaller engine. Uh, look, the, the the Japanese bikes are, are good. I, well, you know what? When it comes to an engine and two wheels, I'm pretty easy to please. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it was just, uh, yeah, the Harley is heavier. Uh, the steel is, but you know what? If you go to any bike from one model to any other model, any other, you go from a Beamer to a Honda, you're going to have to adjust. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, uh, I just loved it. I, I love the way it rumbled. I love the way it felt on the handlebars. It just goes right through you. And every moment I am on that bike, I never forget the fact that I'm riding a motorcycle. Mm, and okay. when nice. I've when I've ridden BMWs and even some victories, um, you know they're, they're they're built so well and they're they're so well balanced and everything that you uh, you can sort of forget that you're riding a motorcycle, you know, and mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. let your mind wander. But uh, my bike, whose name is the Beast, that's the title, the Biker and the Beast. That's my motorcycle. You know, uh, we ride together, and uh, and you know it's it's wonderful. It's just wonderful. 
How did how did he get the name the Beast? Well, I was uh, I, I got it, and I wanted to give him the name, and uh, I thought I, I made out a list of names, and I finally decided on the Babe, right? The Babe and uh, the Babe, yeah. So it was a girl. It was a girl at first. Well, you know, the reason I thought of that is I thought I'd make a, a for a good line, you know, like, hey, what you been doing? Oh, I've been riding the babe all day, every day. You know? <laughs> yeah, I can't see that. <laughs> but I, it, it's an odd thing, and I, I this absolutely happened. I went for a ride to the coast with Vic, you know, who I bought the Yamaha from, and I all of a sudden told the bike his name was the babe, and all of a sudden it was like I couldn't ride it. I, I there was nothing I could do right on that bike. And I finally realized, well, it's, it's the wrong name. And I thought back to when I first saw the bike. And my first impression of the bike was, wow, that thing's a beast. So mm-hmm. I changed the name to the beast, and we've been cool ever since. So listening to you talk, I, I guess you're of the mindset that bikes have their their own distinct personalities? I think so. Uh, absolutely they do. Um, absolutely. You know, and... Uh, <laughs> But, you know, I think, you know, a lot of that probably has to do with the rider as well. Okay. So <laughs> some know. random rider couldn't get on the beast and have as much fun as Foster has on the beast? Probably not. When um, Dick and I, when we were, we switched bikes once, I was riding his Kawasaki for a while, and he was riding the beast, and he just pulled over after about two miles, and he looked at me and he says, I can't take it, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other hand, my daughter, who got on the beast, I finally, you know, let her ride it. It was one of her Christmas presents uh, three, uh-huh. four years ago. She gets on it, and it, it was like an epiphany. Like, oh, my God, this is wonderful. You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. I'm having visions of uh, that movie. Uh, what was that movie years ago about that car? Christine? And it was oh, so temperamental. Right. Yeah, yeah, it was so temperamental. Depending on you know who's inside driving, and you know develop this whole relationship with this guy. So I'm kind of having these visions of of the beast and and you, and depending on who's riding him, he's like, oh, no, no, we're not going to have a good time today. No, definitely not. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. It's like a horse, you know. If, yeah. If you get on a horse, and if that horse doesn't like you, you're not going to have fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. You know <laughs> There's a trend going on today with a lot of people who are purchasing um, Harleys. You know, you find a lot of, uh, quote-unquote, upwardly mobile, your lawyers and stuff like that, uh, kind of liking the Harley lifestyle. How is it for you personally, like the classical music and the hog? How, does, how do those join each other and merge into some sort of happy marriage? You would, you would not think that somebody who's doing the ballet thing would be out there riding on a hog. Well, that's true. Um, I don't know anybody else who writes ballets and does write a Harley, <laughs> now that I think, think about it. But, um, no, it, it, it works fine for me. I, it's, uh, when I sit down to write music, I, uh, you know, you look at a blank piece of score paper, and there's freedom there. You can do mm-hmm. anything. You can mm-hmm. do anything you want. I mean, it's just total freedom. And when you get on a motorcycle, it's the same thing. You can just, uh, you know, you can ride along and say, hey, that looks like an interesting road and take off and go up there. And uh, so uh, they're totally different. Uh, you know, I'm, when I ride, I'm usually either in my studio alone or I go to a Denny's and tell the waitress, uh, just keep me a lot with coffee and pie and we'll be fine. <laughs> I'll tip you well, and I do. Uh-huh. And uh, But... 
yeah, with the motorcycle. But as far as uh, you're running into other bikers, they find out I write ballets. It's uh, it, it hasn't been a problem. You know, oh, okay. First they look at me. I will tell you this though: the, the first <laughs> expression I get is, "All oh, right, yeah, right, you got to write ballets. Okay, yeah, fine. So where's the punchline?" Yeah, I'm just imagining, you know, you walking into like the biker bar and yeah, I'm the guy who, you know, does the classical ballet stuff and, you know, this rough, you know, raunchy people are like, uh, yeah, dude, really? Okay. Exactly. <laughs> it's not a fit, not a fit mentally. <laughs> Foster, I want you to hold on for a minute. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back with more Foster and the Beast right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Today I am with Mr. Foster Ken. He is the author of Freedom's Rush, Tales from the Biker and the Beast. And uh, Foster, I want to um, kind of start talking about the book. Uh, it didn't really start off as a book, if I'm reading correctly, right? You just kind of uh, were starting to go here and there and... We're sending emails and stuff back to family so that they know that you were okay. Is is that my understanding of how it started out? That's exactly right. Exactly right. Okay. Okay. So, what year was it that you said, "Let me just take the beast and and go out there and see what I can see"? What year was that? Uh, my first long trips began in around 2010. My first multi-day trips where I would just go out. My first, uh, you know, but mostly. In 2010, it was mostly here in California, a uh, little in Nevada and Arizona. Uh, my first really long ride was uh, you know, the next year, the next summer. Okay. You know, went to so, Colorado, New Mexico and stuff. So what's going on in Foster's life where he says, you know what I need to do? What what would really be like the, the it to life is I need to put a sleeping bag on the back of my bike and no hotel reservations or anything. I just need to go. I just need to see. I mean, what? who, who does that? <laughs> oh, that was a great question. Uh, yeah, who does that? Well, either somebody really crazy. Or <laughs> well, I I just got hooked on it, and when I started out on my first multi-day ride, and I just thought, wow, how neat was that? And then kept going further, and uh, I didn't plan on doing it every summer. And that first long ride I took in 2011. I, uh, I, you know, I was gone for a little over a month, and it was just fabulous. I had, God, oh my, it was just, you know what I found out, Lana? Mm-hmm. I, and this is just my own personal observation. I'm not making a claim for anybody else's experiences or anything. But what I have found is that America actually really is the country I always hoped it was. Mm-hmm. It, it's absolutely beautiful populated with absolutely beautiful people. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the, the number of times I've, I've been in an unpleasant situation with somebody else is a, is a minuscule percentage of the times when people come up, they're friendly, they shake their hands. You know, uh, the, the old guys who tell you how they used to ride did this and that, and the young mm-hmm. guys who tell me, yeah, I'm going to be getting a bike someday, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they just come up and start talking. And these are wonderful conversations because you talk to somebody for 10, 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, 
you know, share a beer or whatever, and it's like you never even find out their name. Mm. You know, it, it, it's like you're so immediately friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, people invite you for dinner. They buy you dinner. I, you know, and it's just things that don't happen when you drive a car. And uh, and so and and plus the whole biker subculture, if you want to look at it that way, just cuts across all demographics possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there there are everybody. a variety of people riding bikes uh, these days. I oh, mean, yeah. you know, uh, it, it, it did have this image, you know, years ago. But you know, now with the incorporation of you know, a lot of the different diversity. It, you know, there's you can find anybody from any walk of life on a bike these days. Exactly. John Kerry, our Secretary of State, is a biker. There you George go. Bush is a biker. Uh, the, the, the governor of Indiana was in Mitch Daniels. He used to own a Harley dealership. Uh, and it just goes on and on. I mean, it, it's all over. I, Harry Reid rode motorcycles for a while. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's wonderful and it's wonderful. And, but when you get on a bike, everybody's uh, cool. Everybody's, there's an, there's sort of a, that egalitarian part of American psyche. You know, gotcha. everybody has, you know, one vote, one, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. Gotcha. All, so gotcha. It really gets, um, realized with uh-huh. motorcycles and such. Okay. And, uh, anyway, it's, it's just wonderful. And then I got hooked on that, you know, going out for two months and never seeing a road you've ever uh, rode before, uh, never meeting anybody you've ever seen before. You'll probably never meet again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you're just by yourself day after day after day after day. And, wow. uh, I mean, and you find you really, out a lot about yourself, too. <laughs> I was getting ready to say, you get a lot of time to kind of reflect on, you know, who you are and yourself while you're out here, you know, in the open road and, you know, going to see these places. What, what was your, when you first got on the bike, and you, what was your first multi-day trip? What cities did you visit? We went to, I went with uh, my buddy Vic and his brother Carl, and uh, we headed out. Um, we went into Nevada, went to Henderson, went to uh, Lake Mead, uh, and uh, around there, you know, just, uh, we were gone for, I think, three nights, two nights oh. and three nights. We just rode out to the desert and just to see what was there. That's all. Okay. You know, and you got back yeah. from that, and you were so invigorated from the experience, you just said, yes, I have to do this again? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and how Absolutely. soon before you took the next trip? Uh, it was probably a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, but, no grass uh, grows under your feet. Okay. <laughs> you, know, I'll, you know, as long as I can afford it, I'll do it, you know. <laughs> but, okay. um yeah, but mostly it was around the West. You know, I went to, went up to uh, Yosemite, uh, went to, uh, you know, uh, up to Visalia, where I'm from, Visalia in the Central Valley, and mm-hmm. rode up to the Sequoias from up there and, uh, you know, went down PCH a little bit. Didn't go all the way to Monterey, but it mm-hmm. went down a little bit. And, uh, you know, and there, I, you know what? <laughs> you wouldn't normally think of it, but Southern Cal- oh, California, this has some amazing roads. Oh, yes. Scenery. Oh. I mean, oh. and such, you know, extremes. You know, you can drive two hours in California and be totally different environment and atmosphere, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There are guys who, who like to go surfing in the morning and skiing in the afternoon. There you go. That is definitely that. <laughs> Where else can you get that in one state, right? Exactly. <laughs> so... I'm wondering how this works. So you get back and you say, okay, I really enjoy that. And I'm going to go back out again for another multi-day trip. But 
you just, you just really, I mean, re- I'm just trying to, cause I, I tend to be a little bit more anal than, than this probably. But so you pack up the sleeping bag, you put it on there and it's, it's whatever. I don't know if I have a whole, I don't know where I'm sleeping tonight. I don't know where I'm going to get dinner from. I mean, there's really no structure, no plans, nothing. Uh, that's right. Yeah. I mean, you know, this summer I'm leaving, I'm leaving tomorrow, by the way. And, and, uh, <laughs> okay. my, my only, uh, my only destinations are to see my sister in Texas, uh, Texas Hill Country. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to head on down to Key West. And, uh, then I'm going to go up and ride the tail of the dragon in North Carolina. Okay. Other okay. Than that, my home state. I'm just going to spend nine, uh, you know, probably a month riding throughout the, the last nine southern states that I've never been to the deep south. And I am so looking forward to it. So we're getting lots of pictures. Okay, so you know today's world is technology. You have to be able to, you know, charge your cell phone. It's, I mean, where do you what do you do for these required pit stops? You have to stop somewhere, right? Oh yeah, and and honestly, you know, I, I most of the time I I stay in a cheap motel, a very cheap okay. motel, and uh, okay. sometimes those motels do not have Wi-Fi. And uh, good luck on finding a an electrical outlet that works. But. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's an adventure. It's an adventure for me. But, yeah, it is the 21st century. I have my laptop. I have a cell phone. I have my AAA card, and I have a debit card. And the gas is pretty easy to find. So, uh, you know, it's not like I'm, you know, trekking up to the Yukon Territory in 1750 or that kind of adventure. You know, (laughs) it's a little Uh, different. But I did see one of the pictures where you had your sleeping bag laid out on the ground and Beast was in the background, and you were like, this is the best hotel ever. I mean, and that's... That's not even camping because at least you you know you have a tent with camping. You're just just sleeping bag and let's go for it. Yeah, yeah. The only thing that that I really worry about with sleeping on the ground is two things: is the scorpions and fire ants. <laughs> <laughs> you are a brave soul. You are. I, I you are such a brave soul. <laughs> oh my gosh! I would well, not even. I would be the typical. I'd be the typical female, like, oh, no, no, I'm not sleeping here. No, I'm not. No, no, no. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Too funny. So this this venture that you have planned um, now, I think you said you were going to see nine states. How long is that going to take you? Well, uh, I figure in those nine states, I'll probably, I'm hoping to spend at least three weeks. I want to go to the Smoky Mountains, the Ozarks. I want to go down and uh, see the Gulf. You know, like I said, I'm going down to uh, Key West and Key Largo, and then uh, going up through Georgia and the Virginias over to Tennessee, Louisiana, Arkansas, Alabama, and Mississippi. And just uh, uh, one thing I want to do is just sit on the banks of Mississippi and think about all those great writers from Mississippi. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. Wealthy, Mark Twain, just goes on and on. So. I don't know. I'll, I'll see what I do. I stay away from touristy spots mostly. Okay. And I stay away from big cities just because anybody can tell you it's not fun riding a motorcycle in a big city. So, okay. And, you know, that's yeah. kind of like one thing that I was interested in that you just brought up. In in the traveling that you have done so far, um, have you come across a particular city, spot, location that's really not biker-friendly? Uh, mostly they're... Uh, yeah, mostly just big cities. I did get uh, I did get into a, uh, a traffic. I got I got a ticket in Hope, New Mexico, a very small town, about 800 people, and it was a 
uh, you know, I got set up, and I knew it. <laughs> and and I knew I was going to get set up before it ever happened, and there was, like, nothing I could do. There was no side road to take, I, you know. So I ended up with a $94 ticket. Mm. But, uh, what, what, what rule did they say you broke? Uh, well, I'll tell you what happened. I was pulling into Hope, and the speed limit's uh, 40 miles an hour. And it, uh, a, a policeman passes me going the other way, makes a U-turn, and he's tailgating me. I don't mm-hmm. like to be tailgated, you know, so mm-hmm. I'm going, great. So he passes me on that right turn going into town. And when I get to the right turn, I see the second policeman pointing a speed gun at the first policeman. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, oh, great. I am getting a ticket. And sure enough, a half a mile later, he pulls me over and tells me I was doing 52 and a 40. Mm-hmm. So what am I going to do? I'm alone. Yeah. I have an out-of-state plate, you know. Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah. but that, that was just uh, once. Uh, you know, it doesn't happen often. You sell them, you know. But, uh, yeah, mostly it's the big cities. I've actually started to come up with a, a little sort of funny little um, uh, metric thing where you could, you could <laughs> estimate estimate the size of a city by how bad the roads are. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. anyway, when was the last time you took the five through downtown? Oh, really? no, 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 oh, no. Man. We didn't do the five. No, no. I stay away from the 405 and the five. <laughs> yeah, even Park the 405. I mean, it's like, God, is it impossible to make a road flat? I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Foster, I want you to hold on to that thought. It's time for another commercial break, and we're going to talk about some of the more enjoyable experiences you've had while traveling. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello. Welcome back. I am with Foster Ken today. He is the uh, Mark Twain of the biker world and also the, also the author of Freedom's Rush, Tales from the Biker and the Beast. Uh, real quick, why do they call you the Mark Twain of the biker world? You know, it was something when I sent the uh, manuscript into the publisher. Okay. He goes, oh, my gosh, you know, these anecdotes and these stories and everything. It's like Mark Twain. Uh. I, I think it's pretty... Um, well, I don't know. It's tough for me to own up to that. <laughs> I'm sort of a Mark Twain fan, but I appreciate the compliment, but, you know, I don't know. <laughs> okay, I think that's definitely a compliment. So before the break, we were talking about, you know, one of the bad experiences. You know, you had gotten a ticket in uh, New Mexico, but I'm pretty sure, because you wouldn't keep on doing it, you've had some very enjoyable, pleasant experiences. Are there any cities or spots that really kind of stick out for you in your mind as you've done all this? Uh, well, the beautiful spots, I mean, look, Yosemite, Yellowstone, uh, Black Hills, South Dakota, uh, you know, Bighorn National Monument, uh, you go through Wyoming and Montana and, uh, even down in Texas, uh, you know, but the, the, the scrublands in New Mexico. I guess it's like we live in California, right? And we know mm-hmm. the Mojave Desert's out there. And even what we call the high desert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That high. The, the desert, the, the Great Basin Desert in Nevada, goes up yeah. to 7,000 feet. Yeah. And it's a desert. And it's the same thing in Mexico. Excuse mm. me, New Mexico. And, uh, you know, go to the Grand Canyon. Uh, you just, it's, um, but the real thrill, I mean, these, these are beautiful places. And there's no shortage of absolute gorgeous scenery in the United States and probably the entire world. 
But for me, the real thrill is when the people you meet. Yeah, that that was kind of going to be the next question I asked because I'm assuming just that whole environment, the biker environment, you in your mind you immediately think interesting, colorful characters. So I'm pretty sure there's some unique individuals that you've met along your travels. Oh yeah, I I, the one I always think back to is the coolest thing. I was in Milwaukee. I went to the Harley Museum. Went to the Harley uh, assembly plant there where they do the engines and transmissions. And I was just having fun riding around. And I decided, I, was, I went into this blue-collar place, and I said, you know, what the heck, I'll have a steak dinner. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go so far to say it was a good steak dinner, but it was a steak. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll hand them that. Anyway, okay. so I'm done. And the waitress comes over, and she asked me, is there anything else I want? And I said, yeah, I'd like a piece of pie. And she looks at me, and she says, pie? And I said, yes. Yeah. <laughs> And she says, you want a piece of pie? And I said, yeah. She goes, do you eat your vegetables? And, <laughs> and I said, well, I ate a slice of carrot in one of those green things. And I go, no. So she takes a bowl of vegetables, plants it in front of me and says, eat your vegetables, then we'll talk about pie. Oh, she's the mom of the diner, huh? Exactly, man. <laughs> she said, eat my vegetables. But bless her heart, she brought me an extra piece and didn't charge me for it. So. Oh, too sweet, too sweet. You know, ah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I no. guess, you know, in these, you know, off the road, you know, places that you um, you have experienced, it's kind of a nostalgia feeling about where we were as as humanity years ago. You know, what we long for, you know, just people helping each other out. And, you know, you didn't have a lot of that big city influence and, you know, the grind and the rush of of, of the big city world. So I guess you got to experience a lot of the uh, things that we long for the back in the days you know some of the other generations us older generation people do remember so i think that was yeah yeah, that, yeah. that's kind of neat yeah, there. the simplicity of it and, and yeah. just the business of it yeah oh yeah, yeah. any other yeah. people you met oh uh the one guy in uh quartzite i met he was walking his dogs i just pulled into the hotel i was unloading the bike and it's crazy looking guy i mean his hair was all the place you know he's wearing got red shorts below his knees and, and he's walking these two just perfectly groomed dogs mm-hmm. he said he was watching them for his sister but he was really really excited because there was a dust storm coming and his favorite thing to do was to stand in the middle of a dust storm <laughs> you know, and so, and so I saw him later. He's covered with an inch of dirt and big brown <laughs> smile. You know, and he said, "Wow, that was the best." You know, <laughs> and I started thinking, "Well, what happens in a person's life?" Yeah. Think, oh, the best thing I could do is stand <laughs> in the middle of a dust storm. All <laughs> right. How does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> Almost as bad as getting on a Harley and just riding across country, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 maybe I can relate. <laughs> Wow, you're right, though. I mean, like, what point, where are you at in life where you say, you know what, this is like the ultimate rush right here. I mean, it's staying in a dust storm. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So just just out of curiosity, because, you know, we do want to, you know, get everybody encouraged to get out there and travel, you know, uh, hopefully it's on some Harley's. So there's a lot of open road out there. There's a lot of time where it's just you and your bike on there. What is the what is the the safety plan for um, you know because Harleys break down from time to time so how do you how do you what what's the plan for emergencies? Uh, yeah, like I said, well I can do various small things on the bike, but yeah, you know what I have a AAA card, and okay. um, 
So I just get it towed and get it fixed. My Harley has never broken down. The biggest thing that broke down on my Harley was the, the stator went out. I had to get a new stator and wait for a week, wait for a day for that. And then other, you know, non-mechanical things, my front rim got bent. So when I put new tire on it, all of a sudden my handlebars are just like shaking back and forth. Mm-hmm. You know, what's wrong? Did they not screw this thing in tight? And so I had to wait for a new rim. Ended up being in Richmond for a week. Oh, wow. And, uh, well, I had to wait for parts and stuff, but they were, Richmond Harley was great. Um, you know, they gave me a ride to and from my motel and everything. But one day I was waiting there and I ran into a woman and she came up. She just started talking. There were like couches upstairs. She mm-hmm. just started talking. Her name was Bonnie Blue. No, <laughs> Bonnie Blue. And she starts telling me about all the ghosts in Richmond. Uh-uh. And, and I'm listening to her going, wow, that's pretty cool. So she told me a couple places and I'll tell you what. There are ghosts in Richmond. <laughs> it's like after I went, there are ghosts in Richmond. This is Richmond, oh, yeah. Richmond, what part, which Richmond? Richmond, Virginia. Oh, Virginia, okay, all right. Yeah, Richmond, Virginia, uh, yeah, the Bride in Cold Harbor, uh, uh, the little girl up on Black Dog Hill, which is a beautiful story. And, mm. um, yeah, they're there, and you can just sit just about anywhere in Richmond, and you just sit there by yourself, get real quiet, and pretty soon you become aware that there are ghosts there. There, there's wow. I'm not particularly mean or anything. I didn't never got scared, but um, yeah, it's uh, anyway. Yeah, wonderful city, <laughs> by the way. Bonnie Blue. Bonnie, Bonnie Blue. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess pretty much everywhere you go, there's there's. Um, a place for you to have repairs or something on your bike if, you know, because I do want to encourage people. I'm, I'm a lover of bikes myself, so I do want to encourage people even to just be open to the possibility of getting on the open road. So there is an opportunity for uh, you to, everywhere you go, to kind of get a repair or, you know, get oh, yeah. your stuff. Okay, okay. Yeah, well, um, that I, is one good thing about a Harley is that there, there are guys all over, there are dealerships all over, and there are guys all over who can fix Harley. And, uh, you know, and they, you can't say that about Beamers. Uh, mm-hmm. and they're great motorcycles. I'm not knocking them. But yeah, if you, if you need to get a, a fix it on a motorcycle, you're, you're best off on a Harley because mm-hmm. you're never going to go very far before you find somebody who actually knows what he's doing. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I um I was reading an article just totally off topic. Though Harley's about to put out this bike that is very quiet and doesn't make noise, and I think that's like so anti Harley. There, that was part of the joy of the bike itself <laughs> was was that 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 rumble. But you know, I guess they feel like we have to go in a new direction. But I'll wait to see what yeah. it looks like when it comes yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, well, it actually looks like a sport bike. Uh, yeah, it's an, it's an all electric Harley, and. Uh, yeah, yeah, because I mean, look, let's face it. I I love the rumble, I love the sound, but uh, the direction we're going is uh, is that's the direction we're going. Uh, you know, electricity and everything. And as soon as they get the distancing handled with cars too, where you can you know drive for five or six hundred miles without recharging, and you can recharge on a regular plug. You don't need a special plug. Uh, yeah, and and the cost comes down, and then uh, yeah, that's. The direction we're going. So, if it ever happens in my lifetime, I'll miss it. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, it is what it is. Yeah. So, uh, back to the book, uh, Freedom's Rush Tales 
from the biker and the beast. And I think we had established before I got like way off track here. Um, you know, it had started off as emails to your family and friends to say, you know, hey, I'm okay or whatever. But what, at what point did you realize, hey, I've got a book here? Well, it happened in my uh, first accident where I was in a wheelchair. And mm-hmm. I was sitting there going, well, i got to do something. And I had all these emails, which I call travel blogs. Okay. And I just started looking at it, and I like to write. I love writing. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that would be W-R-I-T-I-N-D <laughs> as well as R-I-D-I-N-D, right? <laughs> and uh, so I started filling in all the things. I mean, I want to keep these, these travel blogs as short as possible because you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to burden people with them. But I started filling in all the things, and pretty soon it just came about. And, and I uh, pretty much wrote the book in those four months. And, you know, and then I had to go through it. I personally went back and just, you know, scoured it. You know, make sure your grammar is okay. And mm-hmm. you, did, you wrote if and not of. Yeah, and, you yeah. Know, just stuff like that because you've written before. And you, you, yeah. You ever get that, you know, when you go back and, you you know, somebody responds to an email and you look at it and go, oh, geez, Like, I, what was I, I thinking? I, I thought I had spell know. check too, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, yes, well, it's... If we ever get perfect, we'll be St. Dwight and St. Lana. Huh? Well, there's no, there's no fun in perfection. I mean, there's no fun in it. <laughs> I kind of, I've kind of enjoyed my screw-ups over the years, so I, you know, I, have, no, I yeah. have no desire for perfection. <laughs> and I've noticed in the uh, book, uh, Beast is pretty photogenic there. He's yeah, the king he of pictures around. there. Yeah, uh, the cover was taken on a side road in Wyoming, and uh, I was riding along, and I just, I just had this feeling I was going to get a killer sunset. So, and and I saw this road over there, and I went by, and saw another road, and was actually rode by a camel ranch. There are camels in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Really, I I know. Camels in Wyoming. Yeah, there are camel ranches in Wyoming. I don't know what they do with the camels in Wyoming, but anyway, they're there. So I found this spot, and I actually waited three hours for that sunset. Hmm. 200 photos and uh, ended up with that one. So, um, yeah, uh, I forgot what you asked because I went off on a tangent. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I was just I was just saying that, you know, Beast is a pretty handsome guy. He's very photogenic, and he takes these absolutely wonderful pictures there. And then you went to talk about the cover of the book and oh, camels. Oh, right. right. <laughs> So I'm, we're still I'm on track. We're, we're still together. Like we're that. still together. Uh, but, uh, Foster, we're going to take our last commercial break of the day. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, welcome back. I'm with the author of Freedom's Rush, Tales from the Biker and the Beast, Mr. Foster Kent. And uh, before the break, we were talking about um, the cover of the book, Freedom's Rush, Tales from the Biker and the Beast. And you said that you'd kind of, you know, started to do the uh, proofreading and everything while you were sitting in a wheelchair. And my question is, what put you in the wheelchair? <laughs> well, it was a motorcycle accident. <laughs> okay. I, 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 both of my accidents uh, were my fault. Uh, basically, I think the most uh, 
common undoing of a motorcyclist and automobile drivers too is inattention. You're just not paying attention. And both times I wasn't. Uh, one time it was a beautiful mountainside I was looking instead of the road, and the other time it was a pretty girl. I was looking uh-huh. instead of the road. The downfall. Boy, is that embarrassing. Right. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the downfall of the man. All right. Uh- <laughs> So you're sitting in this wheelchair and you're editing your book and there's just something in your spirit that says, I got to get back out there. There's no hesitation to, you know, maybe I shouldn't be getting back on a bike. You know, I'm sitting here in a wheelchair. Never a thought to not ride again. Well, uh, no, not really. I, what I knew is that I had to at least get back on the bike. I mean, I always have the, the freedom to decide to never ride again, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, but I knew I had to get back on the bike because, you know, I, I got into an accident. First thing I do is get back on the bike, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as soon as I got on it and I took off out of my driveway, it, it hit me again. Yeah, you know, I just love this. I just oh. love it. And, uh, so I did both times. Both times. No, get out of here. I'm curious, do you actually have a car too? Uh, <laughs> you know, right, right now I don't. Okay, the bike is the transportation, right? The beast. It is. Well, you know, my my son and his girlfriend they let me use their cars when I need to. Okay, but, okay, yeah. okay, okay. So, <laughs> so um, not having a car makes it tough to find a girl who wants to go out on a date. Well, you have to find the right kind of girl because you know a lot exactly. of women would love that feeling of you know being on a you know the bike and you know open air and you know so you know it just it has to be the right type of woman so. You're right about that. There you go. So, um, you know, one of the goals that we hope to inspire people from today is, you know, to get out there and experience life and and the open road and what's out there. And unfortunately, the sad reality that me and you have, Fosters, not everybody's going to buy a bike to do that. Um, Right. But you do encourage people to um, get out there and see. What are what are the benefits of traveling? Do you think what what does it expose people to? Oh, it, it it might be the best life education you could do. Get into a place where you don't know anyone. Uh, you know, and maybe culturally it's different. Uh, mm-hmm. You meet people who are <clears throat> different backgrounds and so forth. And uh, boy, and and you got to get along. You got to mm-hmm. get along. Um, but I, I tell you what, Lana. You know, freedom takes many forms. Mm-hmm. And it, freedom can be anything from deciding to eat ice cream for lunch when you're on a diet or to, uh, taking a nap in the afternoon. It can, it can be so many different things. And whatever, whatever it is that gives you a thrill, uh, it, just do it. Do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you might not be able to do it all the time. You might not be successful. That's fine. But mm-hmm. do it. Do whatever it is. Hang out with your girlfriend. Hang out with your buddies and have a beer. You know, just uh, you go down to buy a barbecue. Instead of getting the $100 one, you buy the $400 one. And you say, well, you know, why not? I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. going to do it. You know, there's freedom. And uh, freedom is, uh, you know, I think it's I, I think it's part of the wolf and warp of what we're all made of. I mean, and, and that's what we want. And the crazy thing about freedom is is that it, it does not guarantee security, comfort, or wealth. Mm-hmm. Freedom is, it can be a pretty wild thing. Mm-hmm. And... So it makes you bigger. It makes you it makes you feel better because now you can depend on yourself. And we've all gone through periods where we've had to depend on ourselves and, and maybe our friends and family, and that's wonderful. Uh, so 
yeah, you just do it. And, and things like success and failure, it, they sort of become meaningless mm-hmm. because uh, it, it's the thrill of doing it is what it's really about. And yeah. uh, and if you succeed, that's great. You know, have a bottle of champagne, celebrate. And then when you wake up after a week, <laughs> you know, you can uh, go out and do it again. There you go. Just go out and do it's it again. And very, it, very empowering. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I wanna, I wanna be a ballet dancer. I wanna, you know, I, I just wanna go out and dig in the backyard. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. So, yeah. freedom can take everything, and it's when you make a decision and you just do it. And whatever the consequence is, is the consequence. I mean, you try to make it good, of course, but, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's the thrill of actually doing it. You know, there's an old biker philosophy, and it's part of the regular philosophy too, and it's, it's not about the destination, it's about the ride. That's, that's the right. journey. That's where the thrill is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the journey. You know, I tell the story in the book about I was watching. I said a baseball manager was actually Tommy Lasorda, and, and he said the greatest thrill was winning a World Series, but the second greatest, a close second, was losing the World Series. <laughs> See, and he gets it because he knows it's the journey. It's mm-hmm. going all the way, just going for it, not backing down. And, you know, if you, if you lost the World Series, do you know how many people in the United States and the world would love to be in a position to lose the World Series? I'm, I'm here at least, I'm at least I'm here, you know, I'm partaking yeah. in the experience, you know? Exactly. And I made it. I did it. I'm here. And so, that's why I said, you know, success and failure really don't matter that much. It's, it's the journey. It's the doing of it. That, that is the thrill and just, it, boy, it expands your heart. It expands everything about you. Your tolerance, your magnanimity, uh, your love for your fellow man and woman. <laughs> and, uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just a wonderful thing. Wonderful, wonderful thing. You know, and I think, um, there's so many of us that get caught into this, this rat race of, you know, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this, and I have to do this. And there's so many things that, the biker lifestyle seems to embody that contradicts that, that you automatically off the top um, get the sense of freedom and, you know, breaking from the confinements of, you know, I have to, um, like you said, you know, I'm on a diet and I can't, I can't splurge with this or, you know, no, um, I have to uh, get the more economical option. I can't go all out and, and treat myself right. to this or whatever, you know, so there's so many um of these breaking nuances things that the biker life does seem to provide uh, individuals. And, um, you know, I just really think it's just a wonderful thing when people get out there and explore what this world has to offer. I know so many people who pretty much live and die in the world that they were born into, and I just think that's that's a life of death, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. No, you're right on, Lana. Yeah, no, you get it. <laughs> I'll just tell you right now. Uh, well, I don't know how much this means to you, but you get it. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, just, I, I just, like I said, you know, I don't know about the sleeping bag on the ground thing, you know, but I, I, I am so there with you. You know, I am so there with you. That is like been my gift. I said, okay, well, you know, before I get 50, this is going to be my gift to myself. I'm going to get me my Harley, you know, and I'm just going to go for it, you know, because I think that is just, just such the, the, the sense of liberation there. Yes. Yes, you're, you're right on again. Okay. So you're leaving tomorrow, and we won't be hearing from you for a while, or, or do we have an opportunity to kind of keep track of your travels via web or anything? 
Oh, yeah. Uh, go to freedomsrush.com, name of the book.com, freedomsrush.com, and, uh, uh, you know, there's a contact thing there, you know, get in common, and then I'll, I'll, I'll put your name on my list. I'll put your email address on the list, and you get them. Send out about one or two a week, and they have four to seven photos. Okay, so we do have the capability to kind of watch you and be a part of the journey along the way, although we're sitting in our, our boring cubicle office in, in uh, <laughs> San Antonio, Texas, maybe, or something like that. <laughs> and and uh, how do people get a copy of the book? Uh, you can go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, any place on the Internet where you want to buy a book, or if well, not that while well, I'm on my trip, but I, if you uh, send, uh, go to the website, there's a place, and I'll send out an autographed copy. Okay. Do you but, travel uh, with books with you? I mean, you know, so no, Bonnie Booth can uh, get a copy? No, I won't be able to because it's just me. I don't have a, I'm not a corporation. I don't have a mail room. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I send these out by myself. I actually wrap them up by myself and oh. address them by myself. So, yeah, if you want an autographed copy, you have to wait until I get back. But in the meantime, yeah, and there's a Kindle version and a, a Barnes and Noble Nook version you can get, and uh, yeah, it's all over. You can get it. Freedom's Rush. Freedom's Rush. That's the Freedom's website. Rush. That's the website. Freedom'sRush.com. Okay, Freedom'sRush.com. All righty. Well, we're going to hurry up and get you on the. What time are you leaving out tomorrow? Oh, early in the morning. You know, whenever I get packed up, and you know. So by yourself again. I'm sorry? You're going by yourself again, right? No Vic this oh, time? Yeah. No, no, I'm going by myself. Going by okay. myself. Okay. Well, we will uh, wish you safe travels. That is all for uh, this week's show today. Uh, you're, <laughs> you're just a unique treasure, and I wish you a safe journey. Uh, please visit uh, the website, freedomsrush.com. I also have this other website, fosterkin.com. Is that a good one, too? Uh, it is, but it, that actually directs to freedomsrush.com. So. Okay. All right. Visit one of those websites. Get a copy of the book. Sign up for the um, newsletter so you can keep a track of his travels. And uh, everybody go out and get your Harley and experience the road there and get some adventures under your belt. Uh, I appreciate you, Foster, for making time for me today. Once again, I wish you uh, safe travels, and uh, I'll be looking for those pictures of the beast. Well, thank you, Lana, and you are a unique delight. <laughs> Thank Thank you. Thank you. That is all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and I'll catch up with you next week.